Uh, I mean, you should just play it by ear. <laughs> <laughs> the chances are good that I will screw it up regardless. It doesn't really matter. Okay. What we're going to do. I'm okay with that. All right. Here we go. Everybody, welcome to the PC Perspective Podcast. This is episode 481 being recorded on December 27th, 2017. I'm Ryan Schrout. I'm Josh Walrath. And playing the role of Alvin Montano tonight is Ken Addison. Alan Montavino. I'm, I'm, the, I'm the understudy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Only three of us on this one. Uh, well, plus Alex behind the board out there uh, and Jim hiding way, way in the back. You can't really see him, but he doesn't acknowledge us uh, anymore. Jeremy's like on Canadian vacation. Alan is in a, is on a farm someplace. Canadian not, vacation was the worst of the National Lampoon's movie. Yeah, it just wasn't, I mean, wasn't just that in interesting. While that was fishing. Uh, it's the end of the year. It's our second to last podcast before CES. We do have another podcast that we'll record before we leave for that show. We don't want to get into CES predictions or that kind of BS, um, which inevitably is incorrect and, and boring, and, and we don't really say anything interesting anyway. So whatever. We're moving on. Uh, welcome to the show. It's Josh, it's nice to have you back. How was your, it's how nice was your to trip be back. to Texas? It was long. And um, was it strong? It was long. I had two teenage boys. Uh, the going down there wasn't too bad because they slept most of the way. Well, and so did my wife, and so it was a lot of a lot of me time. And yeah. uh, coming coming back was not nearly as much fun. They were okay. Awake, how huh? much farther is it? Are we in Denver yet? Yeah. What? We're all not even in Amarillo. What do you mean Amarillo is only the halfway point? The way back yeah. is always the worst. Yeah, regardless of the trip, the yeah. way home is like when we drive to Texas from here. How long? How long? How much driving is it for you to get to where you were going? Sixteen hours. Okay, so it's about so it's fifteen about, hours yeah, from us when same. we go. When we drive to QuakeCon, for example, um, and uh, yeah, it always seems to take longer the way back. But yeah. teleportation—it's the hot new thing, I think. Just take the hyperloop. Exactly. Uh. We record the show on Wednesday nights, everybody, 10 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Pacific at pcper.com slash live. You're welcome to join us there. We have a chat room. You can hang out with all the other people watching. We watch the chat, respond to your questions and funny comments every once in a while, um, some more than others. Uh, if you need a gentle reminder about when we're going to do a live stream, you can go to pcper.com slash subscribe. You get this page here. It basically asks for your name, your email address, and we'll send you a, a note right before we do uh, our live stream. So there you go, pcper.com slash subscribe for that. And of course, we still have our ongoing uh, Patreon campaign at patreon.com slash pcper. This is your capability, your place, if you decide you want to directly contribute to PC Perspective and the, and the reviews and the news and the videos and the podcasts that we do. Um, it is a recurring thing. It could be anywhere from, it could be a dollar a month. It could be $3, 5 10 50 100 anything in between. Uh, and it goes directly to us and to the guys, uh, and uh, we greatly, greatly, greatly appreciate this, and it enables us to do a bunch of cool stuff. Um, and as always is the case when we record the show, if you become a new patron or increase your patronage during the show, we will give you a shout-out on the live stream. So we thank you very much in advance for that. As he goes to look, uh, here is one from Sean. Mm, man, oof. Sean, S-K-O-C-Z-Y-L-A-S. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Kozilis. Co 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 I bet there's several silent letters. There's a lot in there. of silent yeah. letters in Thanks, there. Thanks, Sean S. 
uh, for the <laughs> pledge of a dollar. We greatly appreciate that. So uh, thank you guys. Um, what that enables us to do is things like the mailbag that we now record uh, every week, which is one of us sitting there answering questions for you guys. It's been me. It's been Josh. It's been Alan. Um, this week, you we can did- see me looking around the other monitor to see the TV behind it so I yeah. can look at the menu options. Right. Yeah, there's Ken. He's waving at us. There he is. See? There he is. Um, I do like the one comment we had that Jim pointed out to us this week mm-hmm. about the uh, – Ken was doing some some graphics card benchmarking behind us and um, – there's a scene in our benchmark suite where people get burned at the stake in The Witcher 3. But they're only witches. I mean, they're not people. Well, probably they're witches, right? Let's see if I can find it here. Uh, and they said, like, oh, the mailbag took a much darker turn all of a sudden <laughs> when behind uh, Ryan's right ear there is uh, people being burned at the stake. Well, I'm like, you, well, know, you know, sometimes it has to happen. Can't make an omelet for, without breaking a science. few eggs, right? Yeah, Isn't that how there. it goes? Yeah, there they are. There they are burning <laughs> at the stake. I'm not even paying attention. It's just it's just boring to me. Yeah, you've burned so many people at the stake <laughs> at this point. You are truly cruel and unusual. Yeah. That's what they said Heavy in high school. On the unusual. Oh, well. So that's the mailbag. You can find that on our YouTube channel, PCPer. Nope, youtube.com slash PCPer. Uh, although we do post them on PCPer.com as well. Um, let's jump into stuff reviews. Uh, we're full of content from Josh this week. He basically nonstop the entire thing. His entire trip. I overtook the site with my writing skills on the road. I dictated to my children and they ignored everything I said and they, they didn't upload it. And so there we have it. Just pretend that they uploaded it all. Fair enough. Fair enough. I, I assume we'll get around to it in the next couple of days or so. Sure. In the meantime, okay, let me ask you this. Oh, okay. before we go in, right. <clears throat> yes, Josh. Was was that was that Kylo Ren's topless body or was that CGI? It in that was him. That was me, dude. That that guy looks so weird. Why? What? I mean, he was the love interest of of Lena Dunham in Girls. Yeah. So. I mean, did he have these scars on his body or (laughs) something, right? Absolutely. From the lightsaber? Did he have scars from like a lightsaber attack? Was that was that what it was? Um, From his face. He had scars on his face, but then he have scars on his body too. I I assume Josh, you somehow paused it, freeze framed, (laughs) and studied it later. I don't know. He just took a mental photo. (laughs) Not the case. All right. Let's talk about the Titan V, uh, the box of which sits in front of us again. This time, uh, part three where Ken dove into the world of deep learning. I took a shallow dive into the world of deep learning. Oh, God. Um, Ken's first attempt at learning uh, comes as we basically... So the Titan V was a card. It was initially presented, like, that's its goal, is for deep learning, machine learning, um, AI stuff, right? But we knew for us... That was going to be our our, our steepest um, roadblock, if you will. To yeah, like we've never exactly do done it. any of that. I can run benchmarks blindfolded, <coughs> gaming benchmarks and synthetic. Benchmarks so, so that's what we did. We did the games first. We did compute second, which is stuff that's you know a little bit more complex, but still a lot of off the shelf Luxmark testing. Still using Windows. Yeah, yeah. Still using Windows. This time we have to dive into Linux. Oh God, can you imagine? Um, and use a yes, bunch I can. of. A libraries and things that we're just not familiar with. So it was a much uh, steeper learning curve for us to get around um, to, to understand this stuff. But you did it. 
you did some benchmarking with with uh, uh, the stuff. And what's what's important about the Titan V is that it uses Volta architecture, as the V would indicate, which means it has these tensor cores in it, um, which is aren't only good for TensorFlow. <coughs> Right. As you might as you might think, not knowing a lot about this stuff, there's a framework called TensorFlow, and they're called tensor cores. Right. So you go, okay, well, those are probably built to accelerate a specific workload. No, 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 no. A tensor is a mathematical object. Okay. It is a uh, it is it's a, a dimensional multi yeah yeah as the slide here tells me in some some capacity. Um. So, basically, uh, what we what we did was. We have a different platform for this. We're using a Threadripper system. This is something that was just convenient to us, something we could load down with a lot of memory. Yeah. These machine learning benchmarks require a lot of system memory. You know, NVIDIA's testing used 128 gigs of memory. We only really had the ability to put 64 in any one system. It turns out the DDR4 shortage affects us too. Yeah. <laughs> and fast storage is also important for yeah. machine learning benchmarking, right? So we, we wanted to make sure we were using uh, a little bit different test bed than we would for our, for our gaming tests where they're much less sensitive to that type of stuff. Um, so what was the setup process like? So a couple of weeks ago at oh, what conference was that that NVIDIA did the keynote at? Oh, I don't know. Supercomputing. It was at Supercomputing. Oh, I thought it was like some weird knit something. No, that's something. where they announced the Titan V. Yeah, yeah. But at Supercomputing, no they announced NVIDIA GPU Cloud. Okay. Which we didn't really pay a lot of attention to at the time because, sure. you know, there were – Presenting to a very specific group of researchers and scientists, and wasn't exactly something that uh, we needed to learn about immediately, but it's actually pretty cool. So what NVIDIA GPU Cloud is, is essentially NVIDIA's attempt to create turnkey development solutions for applications like TensorFlow, like CAFE, for scientific applications, for all of this different stuff. So it's based upon Docker, and what they do is they have each, – each month they release a Docker container for each application. So we're using the NVIDIA GPU Cloud 17.12 Docker container. When you say applic each application, how many applications are there? Uh, I don't know the full list. There's maybe like 15 to 20 at this point. Okay, maybe a little so less more than, than I that. thought. Okay. Yeah. All right. It's a lot of deep learning so stuff. It's responsibility on their part to upkeep yeah. this stuff as well. So essentially what you get is a containerized environment that you can run on top of. They usually recommend Ubuntu 16.04 with the latest kernel on it. Uh, and you install the latest NVIDIA GPU drivers on your local machine, and then you run this Docker instance, which has CUDA environment set up, has, in this case, TensorFlow set up, automatically optimized for the newest features of the Titan V, like the Tensor Cores, which hasn't been mainstreamed mm. back into the TensorFlow project yet. Right. So you have NVIDIA optimize and tweak development settings or each individual application so that you can just start to import your code and run it. You don't have to worry about compiling. You don't have to worry about optimizing okay. certain environment variables. It's strictly meant so you can load this container and start running your TensorFlow code or start running your Cafe2 code or start running whatever. So we use those systems to test the Titan V and the Titan XP. Mm -hmm. What do you have to do for the AMD card? Uh, for the AMD side, they don't really have anything like that, but they do have their Rock M initiative, which Rock is em. their Radeon Open Compute. Mm. I don't, I don't know what the M stands for. Actually, I don't know either. Rock em, uh, sock em. Exactly. Uh, so they have a lot of decent documentation uh, about getting stuff up and running. In this case, we we're using the HIP TensorFlow port, okay? Because TensorFlow is an application written in CUDA. There's no 
OpenCL port, at least official. A couple of people have tried, but they're not very far along slash abandoned projects. Okay. So NVIDIA or AMD mm. used their HIP platform to translate TensorFlow, which is a CUDA application, to run on OpenCL and AMD GPUs. Okay. And in that, there's definitely a performance hit lost in that translation, oh, sure, yeah. as, as you can see in this chart here. So, okay, when we when we look at these benchmarks, look at these results, you have TensorFlow and you have ResNet 50, ResNet 152. What what am I what are these tests actually attempting to do? So, these tests are a they're benchmarks, so they're not training a full neural net, but right. they're using data from the ImageNet uh dataset, the ImageNet large-scale visual recognition challenge 2012, which is sort of one of the very common data sets that people use for developing neural networks at this point and benchmarking okay. them. So essentially it's just a large set of seemingly random images and descriptions of what those images contain. So it'll be like, okay. this contains a dog, this contains a fish. It's, it gets a little more this specific contains than a that, Josh. but you can go on the website and pull the specific list of all of the stuff they classify. But okay. it's, it's a image set meant to train a model so that you can identify quote unquote, anything in a photo. Okay. So that's kind of what we're going for here. And the metric we get is images per second. So this is images a second that are trained by, trained into the neural net. Okay. Higher is better. Yes. Higher is better. Okay. So uh, ResNet 50, uh, you know, we're showing Titan V. Uh, there's also two sets of results, FP32 and FP16. FP32 is using the standard CUDA cores, if you will, and mm -hmm. the standard stream processors of yeah. these devices, um, which indicates, like, you can kind of see, like, Titan XP, the orange line to the blue line of the Titan V. There's an increase there, but not an enormous jump. Forward. It's about what we saw in anything else, single precision. So if we look like at even. OpenCL yeah. rendering, gaming, all of that stuff, we saw about that 15% performance. Now, the FP16 results are the same... It's the same data set. Mm -hmm. It's just a different compute model with which to accomplish the task. Yeah. And these are actually using the tensor cores in that computation, correct? Yeah. So the way the environment's set up in the NVIDIA GPU cloud image for TensorFlow, the latest, latest couple images, they've sort of modified the code to allow FP16 training, which wasn't in the initial code. And that FP16 training code path uses the tensor cores. Okay. On, on the GPU. So then you get a jump from, again, This it's the, even though it's FP32, FP16, it's the same data set, it's the same uh, workload. Instead of getting 295, you get 531 images per second, right? Or, uh, you know, at, in, 60, in batches of 64, which is how many images are sent into the into the algorithm mm -hmm. at one time, right? Uh, it goes from 268 to, two, to 469. Yeah, so that's <clears> the other <throat> important variable here is that Researchers doing deep learning will train with as large as a, a batch size as they possibly can because if you're feeding more images into the model, into the training model at the same time, then it, it's faster. It's a parallel process, right? Right. So batch size is limited by hardware. In our case, it was very limited by the amount of RAM we had in the machine. So we only had 64 gigs. So okay. uh, we could only hit certain batch sizes. And if you look at the results, we could only hit certain batch sizes on, we could hit larger batch sizes on FP16 than we could FP32. Got it. Because if you think about it, an FP16 integer has sure. less, ha takes up less space than FP32. That's kind of part of the point. Right? Got it. Got it. 
So we, we tested. So is there anything significant in like ResNet 50, ResNet 152, Google Net, other than these are different data sets or different? It, um, not particularly. We just were training against different models sets, to models, make yeah. sure that we saw similar performance gains among it's all of them. It's pretty obvious looking at these results, like where the benefit is. The FP16 performance is there. The Vega Frontier Edition that we use, the liquid-cooled variant, is not competitive in this space at all. And and I'd, I'd be curious how much of this is you know not optimized software. You know, it's clearly not just a huge hardware deficit. Um, yeah. And, I, and I'm, I'd be very interested to talk with, and we've asked AMD, and they just haven't gotten back to us yet, with like, why is your why are your results like this? We follow your steps. Mm -hmm. You know, we're working on things the way we're supposed to be working on it. You're out there talking about your capabilities in the machine learning space. This is not indicative of somebody who is taking, like you're an order of magnitude slower than a Titan XP. Yeah. And, right? and if you think about it, uh, the Vega, Vega is very good at FP16. Yeah. So you should it be should able to see be. large yeah. gains there as well. Yeah. Using high right. precision. You're right. Um, and we also, so you also ran Cafe 2, which is another deep learning staple, as you call it, um, which Cafe 2 is a is different than uh, uh, TensorFlow How. It's a different framework. This one developed by Facebook. Uh, TensorFlow is developed okay. by Google. So it's a different... It's it's different code essentially. So yeah. you, you, it's they're both Python programs, and you're calling either the Cafe Two or the TensorFlow framework, and then their okay. their own code paths essentially. But they're trying to achieve the same thing. In this case, training the ResNet, training a neural net with the ResNet Fifty model. Got it. Got it. So again, similar stuff. Similar stuff here. You know, we go from two seventy four images per second up to five fifty three uh, peak, right? Uh, with um, with the Titan V. So, you know, this, this is the beginning of <clears throat> us figuring some of this stuff out. Um, I think it's a really good beginning step of how do we, we measure machine learning. We've already been reached out to by several different people like, Hey, you know, I have these things I like to benchmark. Here's how we can do this. Mm -hmm. uh, we've had conversations with people at NVIDIA and starting those conversations with AMD about how to test this stuff going forward. And it really made sense that we needed to get to this with the Titan V because it was, it was, it's, primary focus. Um, <clears throat> yeah, when you have fixed function for a certain task, it <laughs> usually makes sense to test that. Josh, do we know how much of the die is actually like taken up by these tensor cores? I'm curious about that, right? Because if you look at it, like the tensor cores, if you look at this metric here, are running you know, almost 100% faster, you know, 80% faster than mm -hmm. the FP32 cores, the standard CUDA cores, right? Is this indicative of, hey, as it turns out, fixed function units are going to be, or more specific, more, maybe closer to fixed function units are still going to be better for this and give credence to the idea of Google's TPU that they're building versus continuing to, to push in on, on, on GPU-based machine learning models? How many questions do you want to ask? Just, just three. Many. Okay. Uh, first of all, we don't know how much the tensor cores take. Secondly, you're absolutely correct. These are, they're not exactly fixed function units, but they are more simple in how they handle math than floating point. They're more or, specifically you know, tuned, stuff. I guess I would say. Yeah, yeah. And so, you know, the, because they only do a certain amount of operations, you, you can make them smaller and you can have more of them without impacting your TDPs and, and die space. Um, and how important this is going to be? Well, it depends on where the market goes because... The stuff that they're using now uh, for driving, 
<clears throat> automation, just understanding, hey, you know, some security camera sees there's a guy in a crowd that pulled a gun. You know, they're, they're going to identify these things. Even with the group that I work with, uh, with uh, West Incorporated, uh, we started using TensorFlow for <clears throat> um, dolphin analysis. So dolphins all have, just like killer whales, they have different dorsal fins. And so we're using TensorFlow to identify individuals so that when somebody takes a picture out in the Gulf of Mexico and they post it on Facebook and then we could possibly grab that, we could say, hey, that's, you know, specimen 1A1999, whatever. Oh, sure. Um, these things are becoming far more common because images are everywhere. And just ask the social media people. Just ask those Snapchatters who are posting 500,000 <laughs> selfies over a couple of years. What image recognition will do? And TensorFlow is, uh, well, well, Tensor cores are outstanding for this kind of work. Yeah. So there you go. And uh, I know one I of like the few... kid coughing in the background. <laughs> That's okay. I'm doing it on the side of the call too. So yeah. When we were looking into this and asking some people at NVIDIA, Ryan, I know one of the few sort of technical details we got about these tensor cores is that they can do 64 FMA per clock. So that's a very deep, like, is that deep or wide? Wide, I would wide. say. That's, that's very wide. Yeah. In the grand scheme of things, compared to something mm. like a CUDA core doing this math. Yeah, yeah. I believe. And you said FMA. That's a fixed point multiply ad? Uh, used, yes. used multiply, used multiply, yeah. Yeah, 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 something like that. <clears throat> the what, what's interesting is the reason I the the way I posited the question to you before is like a lot of people have been saying you know Nvidia's been riding this wave of machine learning up to their current stock price and now it's just like okay you know Google's uh, uh, now buying engineers up from I mean from Google's on their second generation of Tensor right so like will units. Nvidia have to get away from using the GPU machine learning if they want to continue to make machine learning their thing right yeah. and it seems more like they can just throw out another skew they could but what i'm getting what i was getting at before because was i like mean the they could have fewer gpu cores and then rack up the the yeah, tensor correct cores but at what point does it make sense to just have tensor cores right if you're if you're only doing compute for these specific models right like I'm trying to figure out what the performance per square millimeter die is on those tensor cores versus on the CUDA cores, and then how do you balance that going forward if you want to make Tesla, you know, machine learning specific products? I, I think a lot of the issue is that they don't exactly know what the final form a lot of this stuff will take. So I mean, and there's still so much research going this is not on. Not even my final form. <laughs> there's still so much research going on that maybe we discover sure. tensors aren't the appropriate thing to use yeah, yeah, from a mathematical yeah. perspective. So okay, you don't want to go yeah, full yeah, yeah, into exactly. tensors. This is a bad thing. It's like, hey, I'm going to design an entire tensor core, you know, tensor thing, and suddenly someone comes up with an algorithm that will actually utilize, you know, something a little bit more general. Yeah. And so I think that that we're always going to have a, a balance of. You know, more general processing cores with with specialized tensor cores because it just kind of makes sense that way. People are going to do interesting things with software. Yeah. And the more flexibility you it have just, in, in certain situations, the better off you're going to be. I, because I not everything like, is going to be 
I'm going to identify this. I'm going to identify this. I'm yeah. going to identify this. It's. I, I feel like, but I, I feel like we're within reaching distance of a point where like audio processing became very fixed function, right? To the fact where you have these extremely low power phones that now have yeah. fixed function audio to listen for keywords that you know do all these things that like sure. that I feel like for the vast majority of the machine learning stuff that we're doing, we will find that answer. And at that point, now what do you become, right? So that's got to that's got to be Nvidia's risk in all of this. Yeah. Is that that becomes the thing? Somebody like Google or Facebook or whoever decides to make their own chip. ARM makes some variant of it, and now, well, I mean, if you look at well, here's here's the problem with that. doesn't help anymore. You're 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 addressing one area, and say somebody wants to address three other things in one photo so you're not just identifying kind of one thing maybe you're going forward and identifying behaviors of yeah. people that are in the photo yeah and so you've got a whole lot more what complexity I, what i don't know is if that would equate to different processing models or not or if it's just yeah. The same processing model with a different software layer on top of it, right? Like mm -hmm. that's that's what I don't know. Like uh we look at these <clears throat> these particular learning, you know, neural networks and stuff and how like what percentage of machine learning is based on these two or three specific models, yeah. right? And and my guess would be it's pretty high currently. Will that change? Okay, I don't know. when has data and computation ever just stayed the same in the past 30 years? without people adding to it or well, doing things to it. I gave the example of audio, and I would posit that that's a pretty standard one now, right? Graphics is still changing somewhat, but um, I, I can't think of any so other examples. Look at this another way. Your, your argument is that NVIDIA is built around... Part of your argument is that NVIDIA is built around GPU expertise, and what happens if we don't necessarily need GPUs for deep learning anymore? Yeah. yeah. I think... What you're discounting is NVIDIA's software expertise and the oh, yeah. sort of stranglehold they have over everything with CUDA right now. Yep. So they still own the software stack. So if they can iterate on fixed function hardware and, and integrate with them, integrate them with GPUs or release them as additional products, whatever they do with them, then I think as long as they're keeping up with the pace of that stuff, that their current strangle on the software ecosystem will still help them because i don't think i, just, I agree i, I don't think google is ready to reinvent the wheel necessarily they're just ha they're happy to I use cuda think, as a platform i think they're they pretty could. close they absolutely could because <clears throat> that would be my next question was going to be like how many companies do you think will actually um at the end of the at the end of the decade have input on machine learning is it going to be five companies that essentially control all of that google facebook yeah. apple whatever, right? And if so, then they're probably going to be more willing to go their own way than if there were 100 companies that needed to do this sure. stuff on a large scale, and in which case NVIDIA would potentially benefit greater from that. Yeah. Right? But I don't know. At the end of the so day... let me ask you this. Oh, okay. Okay, have you watched Dark Mirror and any of the episodes? No. Black Mirror? Black Mirror, yeah. No, still, still no. no. <laughs> oh, I've so been anyway, meaning to. It's going to be a good story. There was one tell. that... They basically recorded a woman for a week, two weeks, whatever, 
and then kind of uh, translated into that into an AI program. And, you know, they kind of whipped her into shape so that she would do the things that AIs would not necessarily do for that individual. Like this person likes toast a certain way. This, this person likes these clothes in a certain way. Things that AIs can't do without a ton of training. And so <clears throat> my point here mm-hmm, is we it. don't know where this kind of learning is going to go. I mean, I'm not saying that NVIDIA is going to, you know, brain scan you and, uh, you know, get your preferences for every damn thing. Sure. But I'm, I'm talking about these are new problems that they're looking for solutions for. And it yeah. may not just be these tensor cores. Yeah, no, you're right. So does that, that make sense? That, I mean, it that, does. And it, but every, everything we're saying is may or could or might. Absolutely. Right. And, and I don't think any of the three of us are experienced enough in the machine learning fields to make. You did set up an NVIDIA cloud client. I get it. I ran these benchmarks. <laughs> I understand. Uh, it's really just to, to define the future. But we've talked about uh, that for a much longer than expected. But, hey, it was a short episode, so I figured I can already see pictures of the week on the rundown. It's true. It's true. Uh, before we move on to the next story, we did have three Patreon updates. I like this one. Witches be crazy. <laughs> just pledged $27. <laughs> So thank you. Awesome. Awesome. Witches be crazy. <laughs> I like that one. <clears throat> Lou Skunts just pledged uh, $3. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and uh, Cronark edited their pledge from $7 to $8. Nice. So thank you guys, all three of you, very nice. much. Super, super awesome. Very nice. All right. Uh, real quickly, Lee posted a review of the Seasonic Prime Ultra 850-watt titanium power supply. So if you want ultra and titanium in the same power supply, I'm not exactly sure what that entails. Could we fit like a max in there somewhere maybe? Um, that's that's plus. probably what they're going to announce at CES. Sweet. It's the ultra platinum max plus titanium. Uh, yeah, so it's a titanium level efficiency, which is the, organiz- the 80 plus organization's highest rating, which obviously doesn't make a lot of sense anymore because it's like... Yeah. 90-something, was it 97% efficiency or something for these units? Fully modular at that. Um, <clears throat> this is available in 1,000, 850, 650. Um, it's an impressive-looking beast for certain. Well, scroll up a little bit. Okay, yes. Wow, look at those cables. Ooh, flat. That's Just a like lot of connectors. Of wires coming out of there. It's not a mess. It's clean and neat and mass. No, mass. Mass. Oh, mass. M-A-S-S. mass. Yes, 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 yes. yes. <laughs> Oh, I'm with you on that. Yeah. So is, that. Isn't Seasonic the guys that only just recently went to digital power control? Yes. The, yeah, that's the, the prime. prime was the first one that did it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So and they announced that at last year's CES is when they, I think they showed mm-hmm. it to us the first time. Yeah. I think right. that's what it was. So, they did pretty good with analog for a long time. They did. I think they're doing pretty good with digital, too. Yeah. And yeah, they, they seem to be. They, you know, at the time, they basically came to me and said, um, you know, we're not, we didn't want to make the switch until we were sure that the digital would, would meet the same quality as our analog. Right. And we went through a lot of this stuff with the tolerance load regulation that they have implemented and that type of stuff. These are impressive power supplies. They're not cheap. Don't get me wrong. Although it does have, um, Let's see, six PCIe cables, right? That's not nearly enough for Alan. That have eight plus six on them. Oh, no, no. You're, this is only the 850 model, right? So <laughs> yeah, scroll I back up. Scroll oh, back okay. up. Yep, yep. Is, is this the Cthulhu edition? <laughs> Elder hope, Gods hope, come hope, to Let power me look your at them PC. caps. 
Hope your yeah. cable routing is good. Those there you caps go. are acceptable. Caps with barcodes are always a good sign. <laughs> you can really tell if there was a blown. Yeah. yeah. It, there was a nice thing on the previous page. They the, It comes with a, an ATX tester. Okay. It looks like. Yes, Where, I did see that. So this is for Bitcoin mining then. <laughs> well, nah. Um, so what was the review like? Editor's Choice Award. Weaknesses, none, none noted. noted. None. Ultra high efficiency, 80 plus titanium, uh, quiet high quality 135 millimeter fan with fluid dynamic bearing, a 12 year manufacturer's warranty. <laughs> wow. Uh, Multi GPU technology supported, dedicated PCI connectors, uh, fully modular cable. Now, this is a $209.90 MSRP power supply yeah. for the 850 model. That's, that's 259 for the thousand. That's up there. So that's that's obviously expensive. Um, but 12-year warranty. But a 12-year warranty. Yeah. By that yeah by you're going to replace every single other goddamn part in your product and your true. computer. Maybe not your chassis. That's before true. that runs out of warranty. The uh, the Prime Ultra Series, which is this one. Oh. Uh, let's see. Let's pick yeah, my a time. computer's one is updating right so now. Let's pick a time of not now. Tomorrow. Tomorrow, I usually go to the bottom of the list. Why put it off today when you can <laughs> put it off? Uh, the Prime Ultra now. Series uses an upgraded fan with lower max RPM for very quiet operation. Yeah, apparently this can do the stuff where if it's not drawing a lot of power, it will just turn the fan off. Got it has it. like the hybrid fan stuff. Got it. Which I so Editor's Choice Award, that's a good thing from Lee. Uh, as we are still one of the few outlets still doing dedicated power supply reviews. Very, very much worth checking out. Because we care. Because we care about your power needs or something to that effect. All right, next, Asus, ROG, Strix, GTX, 1080, TI. Take it away, Josh. Review, top of the pack. So here I uh, reviewed everything. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. There it is. I give it the kitty award. Because is that a good, a good it's award? It's so soft <laughs> and fluffy. Right? This car, so Josh's review of the Asus ROG Strix GTX 1080 Ti is that it is soft. I'm not sure that's a positive. I'm not sure they would take that. And it's that got a, a motor positive. running all the time. Otherwise, it purrs <laughs> constantly. So, okay, as it turns out, Ken is the one who actually did this review as well. Uh, 1080 Ti, overshadowed by the uh, Titan XP, overshadowed by the Titan V, still. Flagship GTX branded card, kind of non Titan card. I, I, guess. I, I think I called it like the highest performing gaming GPU. Okay, because obviously when you can game on on both Titans, they're not exactly targeted towards gamers. Yeah, like enabling the professional workflow. I would say stuff. the Titan XP. Yeah, but they, they enabled have the Quadro to... features in the driver, which makes sure. it a little more professional oriented than it they used to be. Also made Star Wars editions. To go with the Battlefront 2 release, so it's kind of like ah, you can't now nah, you can't deny the gaming uh, 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 culture. I'm a Star Wars. Researcher. I'm a Star Wars rendering fan. Um, yeah. So anyway, so the GTX 10 ATI actually launched like back in March. Yeah, I think it was. Yeah, we're almost on a year, and that was launched like, eight, a, like seven or eight months after the GTX 1080. Right? Oh, like twelve months. Yeah. No, the GTX 1080 came out like in so June. So would you say right? that the like uh, 1080 Ti is the most significant GPU launch this year? <laughs> uh, if the alternative is that or the Vega 64. I mean, Titan right? V. 
Yeah. It's kind of, no, it's not uh, significant. I, I would yeah, still have to say, it's significant from an interesting perspective. I'd still have to give but. it to 10 ATI because it's still the leader in performance. It was the leader not by a small margin when it came out. Yeah. Right? The Titan XP came out and kind of stole some of it, but it is a $1,200 MSRP <laughs> instead of a 699 MSRP. You shouldn't MSRP. buy Titan XP. But you shouldn't buy that if you can. If you Only can idiots buy, buy Titan XPs. What about ones that look like Darth Vader? No, those are cool. Oh, okay. we should buy good, all good, of good, those. Good, good, great. Still, great, still great, available great. as the every time I install the driver, it likes to advertise to me. Yeah, that's true. This is, by the way, so the ASUS ROG Strix that we're looking at is this is it in comparison to the reference it's design. It's huge. Of it's longer. It's taller. It's wider. It's all the things. Let's Josh see, one point two three inches longer, 0.9 inches taller, and takes up an extra slot. They call it you a two and a half slot. The only thing that I look out for anymore. No. Is if the liquor store handles um, handles? Yes. Continue thought. Old speckled hen. I don't know what he's. What is he talking? It's the about? only no, joy. It's the only beer. joy in my life. Old speckled hen. Anyway, I uh, had it on tap once. <laughs> what is it was he? Life changing. Life changing. What the? You on cough medicine? Yeah, you no, that would be my child. <laughs> One day he will. He will so, get over his cold. Ken talked about this in the review. Day. The Strix brand and the Matrix brand kind of merged. Into, yeah, they, they only they, had one. Now, they destroyed right? the Matrix brand at the 10,000 series launch, but I didn't exact, necessarily the realize. Thousand series. The 10,000 series. Not the 10,000 series. <laughs> 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 Whatever. So they, but they merged some of the same feature sets too. Like this has. Yeah, Strix uh, kind of used to be a fan like, connectors and stuff. Strix used to be kind of middle of the road, and now it's the highest end option. And mm-hmm. it's not like they just took out features. They they gave Strix way more features, right, to make it the flagship offering. It's got LEDs, pretty tasteful RGB LEDs. RGBs. It's got I mean, the uh, fan connect. Yeah, I really capability. like. I really like the fan headers where you can hook chassis fans up to your graphics card, so they're so, sort of follow the fan curve of the GPU. So if you have front intake fans, which are providing air directly into your GPU, ah, uh, sure, then you could hook them up to that, and not necessarily have to worry about all this custom fan tuning software and sure. all of that stuff. Two eight-pin power connectors, uh, beefy-ass heat sink with heat. How many heat pipes? Did you count the heat pipes? Six, I believe. Oof, six heat pipes. It's a lot of heat pipes. It's um, heavy. It does have DVI output. Somebody in the chat oh, said does. the only question is, does it have DVI output? The answer is yes. I had a reference to an ATI earlier this year in my home PC, and I have a I have that Korean monitor. The only thing it has is dual-link DVI. Yep. I was severely disappointed. Yep. So this, because it doesn't have a blower-style cooler, it doesn't need the extra exhaust vents yeah. for it. Um, but, like, I mean, look at that picture. Look, the the mounting bracket for it just makes everything else enormous. I, I don't like the trend of very tall graphics cards. I think long is fairly fine as long as you're not getting to, like, you're not getting to 14 inches on. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think two and a half slots is maybe is is all right because anyone only usually puts one add-in card in their machine. If we're if we're talking about the vast majority of people, maybe you have an SSD or a capture card in there, but you can sure. space that out. But the tall really starts to limit you. Like I have a Corsair Carbide two hundred or whatever two forty Air Air two forty, which is the MATX one. It has a very it it can it can hold a very long one. If, so to speak, but it has room for a very long graphics card, but the clearance to the side window is right. absolutely nothing. You can fit like a reference NVIDIA cooler in there, but nothing else. Got it. 
So it's disappointing to see cards like this that are super tall and kind of aren't accommodating to a lot of those yeah. form factors. Uh, in terms of what we evaluated, so we've already looked at 1080i performance. It's a well-known thing, well-understood. So we looked at things like sound levels. It's a very, very quiet card. The, that massive heat sink uh, dissipates a lot of heat, means the fans don't have to spin until it even gets to like 58, 59 degrees Celsius. It's 55. Is that what they say? 55 is the number. When we were watching the temp go up, it didn't turn on. The fans didn't turn on until 58, 59, but I it mean, might just be on how it's being at that yeah. point. Uh, and even when they are spinning under full load, it's at 34.5 dB, which is near our sound floor at the office, right? It's, you know, within yeah, we don't two get or three decibels. Than that. Um, you know, you compare that to uh, the 1080Ti, you know, uh, Founders Edition, 39.1. You compare that to the Vega 64 Air, which is 46.4 decibels. You have, so what is that? Every six decibels is a doubling of noise level, right? Yeah. So is it three times three. as loud? <clears throat> I don't know. I don't want to do that math. Um, but it's very quiet graphics card. In terms of clock speeds, it actually runs really well, too. At stock. 1923 is what it was 1923 stock. So I guess you should point out it's the OC model. This is the model. OC model. They sell a not OC model, an OC model for some stupid reason. Just two SKUs to have in the channel. And the difference is like... Ten dollars. Yeah, and it's it's like ten megahertz or something like that, right? Uh, I didn't look at the actual. It's like ten or fifteen megahertz. It's, Wait, it's a useless thing. You're gonna you're gonna just take the sliders in GPU tweak two or whatever precision XOC you're using anyway. Yeah. So, so it's interesting. So it leveled off at nineteen twenty three megahertz, and uh, the temperature was like sixty four degrees Celsius. Mm-hmm. So well under where your reference slash founders edition cards go. We overclocked it with a plus seventy offset. Yeah, this um, is a very quick over overclock. Yeah, I mean, we see if, if there was additional headroom to get. And in which case, we were now running at over two gigahertz. Yeah, twenty twenty three, I think, is about where we and our temp maintained. still only got up to like sixty seven yeah, degrees Celsius. Didn't really get any help. Yeah, so we went from eighteen eighty one average that includes the uh, uh, the ramp up the ramp yeah um, up to twenty twenty four. So our average clock speed was twenty twenty four after just moving these sliders over. Pretty impressive stuff. Power consumption wise, um, hey, guess what? It uses some more power than the than the Founders Edition. It does, yes, but about 20, 30 watts, thirty watts or so more yeah. than the Founders Edition. So less than the Vega sixty four air cooled yeah. card, so the reference the, cards. Yeah, it so, is. I mean, it, it was a little under three hundred watts. It's, yeah, I call it under three hundred watts. Is what I would call it. Yeah, that's fair. And the Vega sixty four air is three hundred watts setting is <laughs> probably five or so watts higher on average than that in our testing. So um, interesting look at stuff there. Shouldn't exactly be a surprise if you're looking at this graphics card. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And from a performance standpoint, it's slightly faster than 1080 Ti. Yeah. Right. So so Grand Theft Auto V doesn't really show any gains. It's still a very CPU-bound game, even at 4K, which is crazy. Uh, Hitman, we saw uh, like a 7 or 8, FPS difference is actually pretty good. Yeah, and the, all these all this testing was done at 4K. Yeah, um, because we thought that's what made the I most mean, sense. It was hitting what 82, 83 FPS at 4K. At 4K so right. I mean, testing lower. And The Witcher that. Three was hitting just over 70, right? So yeah. it took it from like 68 to 72. You know, moderate increases over a reference Founders Edition, but you're doing it at a much cooler temp, much quieter. Yeah, uh, sound level. Um, now it is expensive though. Yeah, but it's less. It's it's. I'm gonna say it's less expensive than it used to be, which isn't true. <laughs> but the Delta is less expensive than it used to be. Okay. So reference 
cost for a 1080 Ti should be 700 bucks. Currently, the cheapest 1080 Ti I could find on Newegg was a gigabyte blower design, which wasn't the reference the founders. Wasn't the founders edition? Wasn't the founders edition? Was their own uh, blower cooler? Seven hundred forty dollars. And the non OC version of this, which is the only one in stock, came in at eight hundred dollars. So that's a sixty dollar difference. Okay. However, the MSRP of this card is it's supposed to be seven eighty. So the markup isn't as high as the markup for the lower end, if that makes any sense. So where sure if everything was at MSRP, it would be an $80 price difference. Now it's only a $60 price difference. So it makes more sense to go from blower to go to this triple fan setup with more features and more overclockability, hmm. quieter, yeah. Dep- depending on your case. I mean, blower, obviously it's still, blower it's still a lot of money, for but some cases. I see the, I see the, the, the argument there of it just being, yeah. If you were going to buy a $700 option. GPU, you could maybe buy, you could probably buy an $800 GPU. Don't be such a cheap ass, Josh. Spend I extra, can spend the extra hundred bucks. I, I, I say this af- as dude, I, I, I've, I've still got medical bills to pay. <laughs> yeah. But you're not going to buy a $700 buy GPU. So it's coughing in there. We don't, we don't care. I'm going to, I'm yeah, I'm going to pay a surgeon and an S the anesthesiologist. <laughs> You don't need anesthesia. Pass that part. Go straight to the you surgeon. You got bourbon, right? It's fine. I just got to get a $15 hammer from Ace. <laughs> 15 Knock him out. That's a little much. But you don't need a quality enough. hammer to knock someone out. All right. Let's talk about a couple of other things before we get to our picks of the week here. One, uh, this was a news story that kind of cropped up through the day today. NVIDIA. This is a CNBC story, which we don't put on here a lot. But CNBC. I mean, it, it showed up in the... Like on Reddit a couple yeah. of days ago. Oh, was it a couple of days ago? Uh, at this point, yeah. NVIDIA made a change to how it lets developers use its chips, and some folks aren't happy. So, uh, <laughs> number one, the photo of that is a car part, which doesn't apply to anything. That's of this. true. He is showing a, a Drive PX or something like that on that system. So, essentially, what NVIDIA did was they updated the EULA for their driver, right? Because it's the only place where they would be able to. P- Present a EULA, I guess. For the driver download. For the driver download. Yes. Before you can Which start is different to than the driver install. install, I would imagine. I, I guess. I don't know. Because, because the, the download driver, the download EULA has a lot of references to downloading the driver Got as it. opposed to installing the driver. Got it. Mm-hmm. So the update, quoting here, which was made when NVIDIA introduced the Titan V GPU earlier this month, is intended to deter the use of those GPUs inside data centers. So basically... The uh, the EULA is changed in a way to prevent people from using Titans or GeForce cards. For in, no, for GeForce cards. It's, it doesn't it's say the, Titans. It's the GeForce driver EULA, but Titan cards are still GeForce cards. They're not GTX sure. cards. It's, They're but GeForce it's the cards. same same EULA that pops yes. up. Yes. Okay. To prevent those cards from being used in data center implementations, insinuating that you should use Tesla. I guess, yeah, not Quadro, but Tesla cards in those uh, uh, those situations. It says the change does not apply to NVIDIA's Tesla line of GPUs, which are available from cloud providers like Amazon and Microsoft. Um, and they explicitly permit blockchain operations. Yeah, that one's a little odd. They do say, like, <laughs> ex- with the exception for blockchain operations, it's okay to use GeForce GPUs for data center-based blockchain stuff, which I think is maybe because they realize... There's hundreds of thousands of video cards out here on the wild in data centers <laughs> running blockchain and cryptocurrency mining. So they had no choice but to do that. But um, so they talk about Reddit. 
trying to make sense of the language. Some critical responses allege that NVIDIA is making the change to compel customers to use more expensive Tesla GPUs instead of lower cost processors, which duh, it absolutely <laughs> is doing. It's not, it's not alleged. That's why they would do that. Um, an NVIDIA spokesperson in an email highlighted several reasons the companies would prefer Tesla GPUs in data centers that include support, longer life expectancy, um, but this is kind of interesting. The email said that if customers want to use Titan or GeForce GPUs in data centers, they can talk with NVIDIA's sales department. We expect that working together with our user base on a case-by-case -case basis, we'll be able to resolve any customer concerns, which I can imagine that being anything from discounts on Tesla cards to make them more affordable and more appealing instead of you buying a bunch of Titans uh, or oh, okay, we'll let you do it this one time. Here's a release form of yeah. something. So uh, you were particularly interested in this discussion, I guess I would say. <laughs> um, what? No. Me? Never. So the debate is, why would NVIDIA do it now? Well, And what is the risk of them doing it? What are they I, attempting to do? I don't think anyone would debate why they're doing it and the sense it makes to do it. Obviously... They don't want people filling data centers full of a thousand Titan V's instead of buying Tesla cards. Right. That makes sense to everyone, I think. However, this sort of sticking point I have is that they use this term data center, which they don't define anywhere in the EULA. Right. As you might normally expect with a contract that they define certain terms as they go along. That's if you've ever read through one of those things, that happens. So I have a feeling that education is kind of the part that would get a bit screwed here. So if you're if you're a small if you're a mid-sized university with a small CS department, it's not an area that you sort of focus on mm -hmm. and you want to buy five Titan Vs and put them in some machines so that students can use them to train or, or researchers or professors, whatever, can use them to train. Right. How do you know that what you're putting them in is not what NVIDIA considers a data center? Sure. So like like when I went to UC in the CS department, they were building they built a uh, sort of a, a, a cloud where they had where you could kind of section off some stuff if you wanted to like run a web app and you just needed a development environment and so that they could teach OpenStack for like open source virtualization stuff in the field. Mm -hmm. And that was maybe two, three U boxes in a rack with associated switches and, and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Is that a data center? Like if they wanted to put a Titan V in there so that people could use it for deep learning projects, is that against the EULA? Is that a data center? Right. It's just it's just these weird gray lines that I don't like about it. I wish they would have defined the term. Yeah. I, so I, we, when Jim and I, Jim came up with the, with the thought process of like a data center is like art. You know it when you see it, <laughs> right? Uh, and in that way, I kind of it, it sounds stupid, but I kind of agree, right? In that if I see... You know, a hodgepodge uh, rack with with two video cards in it, and and cables all miswired, and yeah. you know, power running from three different outlets because they didn't actually have power run for the for the system set up correctly. Mm -hmm. You think, mm, okay, you know what? I'm going to let that guy go. <clears throat> if there's three full racks and there's 40 GPUs in there or 60 <laughs> GPUs in there, yeah. and you go, mm, okay, maybe now we'll have that concern. Now that is a problem for Nvidia because now they're kind of going to be in this policing state. <clears throat> I would argue that. They probably have no interest in pursuing any of this 
with the exception of the super highest end customers, people who are trying to buy a thousand Titan V's for $3,000 instead of a thousand Tesla V 100s for Mm $9,000, right? Because now all of a sudden the difference is $6 million in income. Yeah. Um, But I I think people, if you're using 10, 20, 30, it's probably not even going to be an issue there. Yeah. Why they wouldn't define that specific number Seems reasonable to me because they don't want to have to stick to that number. Sure. Right? Because that number is a moving target. Well, like I said before, it's like if the number is 20, well, then you buy 20 and I buy 20 yeah. and Alex buys 20 mm-hmm. and now we have 60. Yeah. Right. But they're all, it's 20, it's, it's three different organizations. Can we get around their loophole that way? Um, it's, and, 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 the, and the same point. But actually, I was going to, I was bringing up something before when you, before you move on about the, like when you were setting up that cloud infrastructure, if you're using a Windows environment for that, right, there are some features that you have to have a Windows Server edition to sure. get some, you know, storage array capabilities or something like that. Sure. Regardless of whether or not you're running it to attach to one computer or 50 computers or whatever. Yeah. Right. But, so there's 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 precedent for like. But, but this isn't like an additional driver that enables deep learning. It's the driver. Yeah. Sure. Like if you, if you want to use if you didn't want to do deep learning. If you just wanted to, I don't know, let's say I'm a student organization and we got some funding for some reason and we wanted to put, we wanted to fill a couple racks full of machines with 1080 so that people could come in and use them. Right. And, and rack was just the easiest way to organize everything. We've got like KVMs run or whatever. Sure. Is that a data center? I, I don't know the answer to that. Yeah. Right. I, my, and my problem is sort of the moving target. If they don't define it, then they could just set, they could just, they could, I don't think they're necessarily going to. It could just suddenly come to you one day and say, you're violating our EULA. It could. We didn't think you were yesterday, but today sure, we just we have determined you're violating yeah. our EULA. Yeah. It, it, as we were talking earlier in the studio, it, all the issues with this gray area could have been resolved by just a slight change in terms. You know, don't say in a data center. It's this is retail product. This is not enterprise product. There is no warranty or guarantee for fitness in an enterprise environment. Well, then you have to define enterprise environment in the same way you would define data center, right? Yeah. Because their claim is that, you know, uh, NVIDIA addresses the unique mechanical, physical management, functionality, reliability, and availability needs of servers with our Tesla products, which include three-year warranty, covering data center workloads, NVIDIA enterprise support, guaranteed continuity of supply, and extended SKU life expectancy for data center components. This has been communicated to the market since the Tesla products were first released. Um, but, but, but they're that, not that just Titan and GeForce do not have that. They're not just saying that if you do this, we won't support you. They're saying you cannot do this, which is a difference. Um, yeah. Does does the does you breaking the EULA of your product then give them the legal right to void your warranty in some it, case? Maybe. Well, absolutely. Uh, I, I won't. I, I don't know. But, <laughs> is that what they but, have to do to make your warranty so, void? So if you if, if you look at the EULA and you look at the terms, if you violate the EULA, they say you must delete the software from your computer. So you cannot use the product. So sure. they could also they could have warranty terms that say something like if you're using this for <laughs> data center applications, then your warranty is void. Maybe. I'm not I entirely sure what warranty law that is. Like something that would and be it's different in the US in versus de- it's definitely that wouldn't be legal in the EU, I would imagine. Right. But 
So I like warranty and the product are separate things. Yeah, but I think the warranty issues uh, are interesting because some states don't let companies sure, sure, sure. void warranties. I, mean, I think that's all, right? also that, that probably has something also to do with it. Point. But to me, it's um, it's in there to protect them if they feel like they're being taken advantage of. Sure, right? I, I absolutely understand why it's there, I, like, but and, and, and I'm so not necessarily okay with that. I still support the release of the Titan V. I still support like what the intent was. Right, the intent is for a guy who has an idea to be able to have the best, most performant machine learning GPU on their desk to use mm-hmm. to to prototype, to develop, and create these products. Right, it's for me as a company to buy my ten top engineers. For their workstations, so that they can create the best products. Um, but it's it's not intended for me to deploy on a thousand card level into uh, a server environment. Sure. Now, I think if if it were possible for Nvidia to just go like, if you do that, like you're on your own, like warranty void, yeah. no support, that, whatever. That, that's probably that's sticky probably what they enough. Wanted to sticky do. enough in a bunch of different territories. That's not necessarily possible. Now that I think more on it, that's probably what they wanted to be able to say, but maybe they couldn't say legally because of EU restrictions or other stuff. Yeah, but I don't right. know if the type of person who would like kind of go subvert around this stuff and launch a data center with a thousand GeForce cards instead of Teslas would care about their warranty. They would like you could buy two Tesla. Two Titan Vs for the price of one Tesla V100. Right, but so do you care about your warranty then? If you're deploying at that level of scale, you're gonna pony up the extra cash. I'm not talking about proper deployments. I'm talking about kind of shady operations. Right, but if you're a shady operations, are you gonna be looking at the Eula anyway? No, you're not. <laughs> I mean, do you care? Also, if you're also if you're if you're, I would argue that if you're deploying something, it is to sell something or offer a service. Sure. So you would you would care about that availability, mm-hmm. support, uptime, yeah. thermal guarantees. <coughs> Even yeah. though, like, I'm sitting here, I don't think there's a drastic difference between the PCB or the chip or the integration of the Titan V that there is not. on a Tesla V100. No. Right? There's a cooler, obviously, integration difference because of. Well, I don't know mounted. what the add-in card looks like. For it, it, might, it might be similar. It's, it's probably. But like, I'm, I'm never, I've never been somebody who says, "Oh my gosh, the Quadro is such a different card than the, than the GeForce." <laughs> right? It's clearly not the case. No, and the same thing for, for anymore. Tesla. To be fair, um, but those are the like. It's it's just like in the beginning days when you had to hack. Uh, a text file to get Adobe software to recognize your GeForce GPU instead of your Quadro GPU, yeah. mm-hmm. right? And you had to do that for some period of time. And then they eventually just added support in for the GeForce GPUs yeah. and went about went about their business. And, and the other interesting thing about this is, I think it's missing the CNBC article, is that it only applies to drivers going forward. So I guess it might have applied to a driver that came out on the 20th, right. which means that if you want to do deep learning at data center scale on a Titan V, there is one driver you can use. That's true. You could still download that driver yeah. or have that driver. Yeah. Which but is interesting. Because, like, I don't think the TensorFlow, I, the TensorFlow performance isn't going to change at all. I would bet the next revisions of the containers don't support that driver. I don't know if that's a thing you can do, but that's fine. Oh, well, or... I don't, I don't know what the Docker the, calls the host OS look like. Oh, okay. I mean, that, that's enough. a whole whole separate thing. But Fair enough. All right. Uh, let's get into our last story. Uh, Jeremy wrote this up, but he's not here. Wait a minute. Why isn't he here? He's flying home. He still wrote the story up today. Good for him. Okay. Yeah. Where was he at? Uh, oh, he was Montreal. in Montreal, wasn't yeah. he? Yeah. At home. Uh, AMD a little too far ahead of the curve again. Um, this was a Digitimes story. What were we looking at here, 
guys. Mm-hmm. This was them integrating technology too early and kind of suffering for it. Is that what this was about? You should click back through the article to see if they fixed any of the typos in it. <laughs> there were a significant it, number of typos just, on this piece. Uh, yeah. yeah. They, they called Vega. Uh, what did they call it? No, they haven't fixed any of them. Uh, no, no. Radeon Vage. That's true. Where's that at? Yeah, the Radeon, the Radeon Vage, Vage chip. chip. And HMB-based products. HMB-based products. Um, so this is basically telling us that... Uh, oh, remember the hybrid memory cube? Those are things we were talking about <laughs> last week. Yeah. yeah. Uh, a, they use a similar vertical stacking process. Um, what is this telling me? Well, I didn't read this beforehand. This Jeremy it's just wrote this that, the, that HBM has been increasing in popularity, I think. They are indeed, and being applied to different products. The Nirvana chip from Intel is using HBM to um, a, apparently a lot of networking controllers use HBM. At least they did H, the first generation of HBM. I don't know about HBM too. Uh, Intel announced an Altera FPGA with HBM two, I believe, on it recently. I, I will give I will give uh, Joe Macri and the guys at AMD a lot of credit because they. They saw it coming. They saw this coming. They told me this was going to happen. Like, uh, basically, the premise for when there was a lot of crap coming on about Vega using HBM2 and the cost of HBM2 and whether or not they should have gone with GDDR5 or 5X instead. Um, you know, Macri's stance to me was that we believe in HBM as a memory technology. HBM2 is a memory technology. And we knew that if there wasn't a high volume driver for it, high like a consumer graphics card volume driver, for it would it, never get off the ground. It would never be developed, yeah, or it would never be developed enough to be useful for them in the next generation when they needed it. Um, and everything would slow down because Nvidia had been shipping HBM two parts, but only in Tesla V one hundred, only in super high margin. You know, they sell them for nine thousand dollars a piece. If we've yeah. just been talking about, they don't have to worry about what the cost is, yeah. um, or what the margins are that Samsung the, is the making. The GP one hundred was also HBM. Yeah, yeah, yeah. HBM. I guess it was HBM two. It wasn't HBM one, was it? I don't know the answer to that. <laughs> mm. I don't know. Um, so now we're starting to see the other chips using this, uh, and SK Hynix. Did they say SK, SK Hynix? Uh, is actual in production yet? They didn't. They don't say specifically. I know, last time I had this conversation, SK was still ramping in, up in the beginning stages of actually offering yeah. availability, um, which would which would be a big increase for it. Now, obviously, for Vega, it's a little bit too little, too late, right? Yeah. Like it, it, it missed its way. It missed its chance at opportunity to be a successful product. I don't think the memory technology was the reason for it being or not being a success. Um, except for maybe a success from like profits on an on AMD standpoint. Yeah, because but, uh, it, it still costs a little bit more money to mm-hmm. implement an HDBM solution. Correct. But if you think about it, I'm what's thinking. coming up soon that doesn't use an CES. interposer? CES. Other than CS. You're talking about Caby Lake G? Yeah. Yeah, that uses HBM as well. It has It to. does. <laughs> I, I'm really and curious what it's... Um, like what its run will look like. Like how many of these processors is Intel going to make? Not, I, I, not a lot. I don't feel like it's a huge number. I would like for it to be a huge number. I think it's actually a really compelling product. Um, I'm excited. Do you think it's going to be 30,000 to 100,000 or more like a million? Uh, I would go with the first, more towards the first estimate. 
Um, it's a very niche so here, product. here's what determines if that what that answer is. Does Apple use it? Does Apple yeah. decide in their next yeah. MacBook Pro that they don't want to use a discrete chip anymore? They want to use this integrated, you know, Intel part. Mm-hmm. Um, that will be a big determining factor because not only does it drive man, that's such Apple a compelling sales, part for them. They have to use it, right? It, not only does it drive Apple's oh, they, margins, gonna use it. It will drive interest by the other OEMs to make sure that they're not missing something and being left behind, yeah. right? And so your Dells, your HPs, your ASUS—they're all going to integrate a part based on this. My understanding I think it's going to be bigger than you think, Ken. I hope so. I think that I absolutely it's hope going to so. think. I, I, I hope yeah, that. No, we- I mean, it's so nicely integrated. It's such a small overall part. But how expensive and it is it? It just is so logical. The interesting, the interesting and you've question. Got, you've got a Retina display of many, many thousands of pixels that you want to have Don't 3D content on. <laughs> you want to do potentially some VR things. Some basic but, stuff maybe in the future so, that Apple may or may not be doing. Yeah. So how expensive do you think this integrated solution would be versus like integrating a mid-range NVIDIA GPU into your product? I know that's not really an estimate that we can make, but do you I think, think initially it's, it's going to be expensive? But once they start ramping up and HBM2 memory becomes less expensive and they figure out more of the issues of of Intel's because it's not a full interposer. It's their I can't remember, SMIC, what oh uh, SMIB. SMIB. Yeah. Yeah. And uh once they SMIB. get all that figured out, it's it's not gonna be I think I think that um, and I mean you're gonna have yeah. you're gonna have less chips, you're gonna have less PCB complexity. Yeah, it, it, it absolutely makes sense as a product. I just think that if Intel isn't as a if Intel's a little shy on it and isn't super aggressive, then it will be such an expensive part to begin with that no one will no one will integrate it and it'll be sort of I'm sorry, a it snowball was, effect. It's EMIB, by the E-Mib. way, embedded that, multi die interconnect bridge. The other one didn't sound quite right, <laughs> but I didn't know <laughs> what E-Mib. it was. Yeah, I, think, I think the EMIB is a really really interesting part of that. Um, Absolutely. <clears throat> I'm also really curious. I want to make sure this is yes. Um, Intel is also going to be responsible for the entirety of the driver stack in this product, right? So there's still some questions about how that's going to work. And Intel's responsible for the driver? Yeah. Intel is. So basically, AMD Intel, is going to open source their latest driver to the Intel driver team. Uh, uh, mm, I would say. Or are they going to deliver binary blobs for like the, that's the, what the, I the would graphics guess. portions that I they would build guess that, that AMD basically provides them. Uh, their driver block as they go, but it's up to Intel's team to package it, release it. Man, so there's questions behind that, right? How fast are they going to be at that? I, I have told them several times Does that they need matter? to be very fast. Yes. Look, look at how yes, current Intel graphics driver support is. Exactly. Okay. Wait, I don't understand what argument it's you're terrible. making. Yeah. yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's so that needs that's to be why they need to be way better at this if they have a part that can actually do something. Exactly. <laughs> I'd agree with that. Yeah, but they're but they're forcing software guys to dumb stuff down. But I'm yeah. not saying it's a good situation, but I'm saying that's where it is. So yeah. what I would imagine would happen is AMD says, hey, partner, semi-custom partner, <laughs> Intel, we're going to give you, here's, here's our driver uh, for, for the Radeon. Intel says, ooh, good. 
wrap in blue <laughs> and submit, right? That's what they should do. It should be like a 15 minute process. <laughs> replace skin, replace product ID, send out to the to the thing, right? How, and they should force all partners, Dell, Asus, HP, to not um, uh, require them to distribute the driver. Oh, it, God, should, it should be allowed be so Intel bad. to distribute the driver. NVIDIA has done very good at this about forcing their partners to let us install GeForce.com drivers on our notebooks. Mm -hmm. AMD's been pretty good at it, but not They haven't had much of a chance to be good at That's it true. lately. <laughs> Intel needs but to AMD, make that case. They're pretty, they're pretty up with uh, the Weekle stuff. And so you, you yeah. send your Weekle core but to I Intel I and they only just repackage it. To be installed. Sometimes yeah, you, you want day you want, one drivers that aren't Wickle certified for that game that just came out. Yeah. Right. And that's really what it comes down to. How is, I mean, what's Intel's stance on beta graphics drivers at this point? Do we know? I don't know if they've ever done anything like that. I, I will give Intel credit. They have done better. Like I have gotten emails from PR teams about like, hey, we've updated drivers to support games like on day one. Yeah. Um, you know, like PUBG was something that they, they kind of mentioned, right? And I'm sure it's very, very, very modest support. Uh, but they're they're trying. Hopefully, they, they, they're they, going to take this more seriously. Yeah. And honestly, it seems it. like from anyway. everything we've seen, they don't have the corporate culture to do that to do that to support graphics on the software side seriously. Brian Krasanich doesn't Intel mean that CEO, they couldn't. Came but, out last week and said what he said. Uh, uh, we're going to take more risk. We're going to take more challenges. We're being attacked from people in different directions. We're going to be a different Intel going forward in 2018. Easy Maybe to say. Maybe this is a part of that. Difficult to do. We'll see systems at CES. Um, I don't know what, what we'll get in terms of performance or when the systems will actually be available, but we'll see systems at CES. So be prepared for that, guys. All right. Hardware, software, picks of the week. Uh, yes. Uh, one more thing on the... Oh, wait. Hold on. Go ahead. Josh found a really interesting thing on the NVIDIA side that the... NVIDIA warranty terms yes. as of June 2016 prohibit data center use. Okay. So uh, not intended for data center use and or GPU cluster commercial developments, enterprise use. Any use of warranty product for enterprise use shall avoid this warranty. So that's been in the GeForce warranty clause since July 2016. Yeah. So more to think about. Fair enough. It, uh, it sounds like there's nothing really new. Here with the well, the Eula thing was, is different. The Eula thing is you cannot use our software, which is kind of the only software to use, right? Yeah, the open source Linux drivers. I, are I would not. still, even with that uh, language in place, I would still maybe think that this is their way of solidifying that warranty list. Because yeah. again, again, the person who's doing something who's trying to save six thousand dollars a card, they don't need enterprise support. They're also probably not the ones going. Mm, Eula, Eula, Eula. <laughs> oh, cancel. Cancel the download. Yeah. Right. But we'll see. Uh, before we get to the hardware software picks, uh, we did have one more uh, new patron from Todd Hebert. Hebert? Hebert. Plays a $3 pledger now. Thank you very nice. much, Todd. All right. Now, hardware software picks of the week. This is mine. Neither mm. hardware nor software. It's a book. I guess there's a Kindle version. Is there? No, there's not, not yet for hardcover, that. Hardcover paperback. Hardcover is cheaper. Interesting. Uh, so this is Computer Architecture 6th Edition, a quantitative approach um, by John Hennessy and David Patterson. I bought this last week. No, a couple of three weeks ago now. Yeah, it's about three weeks now. Because only 109 bucks. Uh, it was $90 when I bought it. if you round up. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, 
The hardcover is less expensive significantly than the less expensive. Yeah. Yeah, I don't I don't really get it. Oh wait. Oh what the hell? beta edition. What? This edition is only available from third party sellers. This is the version they told people to buy to edit, <laughs> copy edit. I don't Weird. know. Um, uh, so I, I believe it was the first or second edition that I bought when I was in school, right? And this was the book that, you know, was my kind of EE base going forward. So I wanted to buy it and see what had changed because they talk about. Which, by the way, as I've discovered since you've been talking about this book, this is the book. Yeah. Like my roommate yeah. handed me the fourth edition. He's like, oh, I got that book. Yeah. So this and and they've updated it to include uh, stuff as recent as the Skylake architecture. Um, they, I was a little disappointed on the GPU side. They only go up to like a GTX 480. I think there's newer than that in there from the, uh, the other information thing I'm not, I was reading. The other thing I don't agree with this is uh, they call like big data centers. <laughs> oh no, warehouse scale computers. That that's that's just a that's, that's a term. That's a term. Yeah, that's I don't like that at all. Warehouse scale. So you're telling yeah. me if I've got Th- two, if I've got two racks in my corner, is that a data center or oh, warehouse oh, scale? Lord. Right? Like, like the idea of again? warehousing and data warehousing is more of like an IS term than an than a CS term. Yeah. But. So they do have like uh, putting it all together: embedded versus server GPUs and Tesla versus Core i7. Right, so it's it's yeah. fairly modern stuff, and they give you know it's it's still a book, and so it's still slightly out of date. That like there was a discussion here about storage technology where they talk about um, Hammer heat assisted magnetic reading and how it's how hard drives are basically dead because Hammer will never really be successful. Yeah. Meanwhile, three months ago we went to talk to Western Digital. They released Mammer, yeah. you know, uh, magnetic is it no microwave assisted yeah. uh, magnetic reading. Wait, whatever it is. Mammer is the abbreviation, the enunciation. Um, that being said, this was published November twenty third. So if you add in lead time for editing and write, like this, yeah, this it's is brand still, new. Yeah, yeah, it's brand this new. This is a brand new edition. And so it is one hundred and ten dollars. But if it's something you're interested in, even you know you don't have to be in school for it, but you want to, you like interested in architectures, and maybe you want to learn about things like uh, XORs, vector mm-hmm. architectures, uh, strided loads compare units, predic- uh, predicate XORs, those types of things, you can do that in here. You can see from my bookmark, I'm not very far in yet uh, for this one, but I am learning about the MIPS bit here. Uh, yeah, I mean, so fast. And if you if you go to the publisher's website, which is the first result on Google, yeah. uh, it's 8246 for the paperback right now, and they have the ebook for 94 95 For some reason, this type of book is not interesting to me as an ebook. Sure. It's a book I need to like flip through. I need to be able to like I look at mind having it on a Kindle, I would say, but you need to be able uh, to, you need to be able to scribble on it. What? Yeah, not it's, only that, but you can have multiple tabs, you know, like sticky dog notes ears. and areas. Yeah. Yeah, but being yeah. able to control F through a textbook is also a very powerful thing. I, I would like the ability to control F through a paperback. And this is since it's from the publisher, this is a ACSM Adobe content. Protected stupid ebooks you can't put on a Kindle. This Kindle is, some, is the one device you can't put it on. Like, this is actually a good, here's a good machine learning thing for somebody to do, right? This book, feed it into uh, an AI learning platform. So I can say, how this talk works. to my Echo, and I can say, hey, where's the section where it talks about uh, Tesla architecture memory access? And it would say, turn to page, you know, this for the index is for. Yeah, but like you don't know the specific term, right? You just know the ideas that the pages were talking about. This is something that they should do. I'm on it. Anyway, that's a book. That's my recommendation. Uh, Who's next? Josh? 
Me. What do you got? Um, a cough suppressant for a child <laughs> in the background. Maybe even for you. Got it. Yeah. No, uh, on this trip that I had, you know, um, what is it? A stitch in time saves nine. So if you were to go to Amazon and buy this charger that flips into your power port and has two uh, USB ports into it for $7.50 is so much nicer than the $25 unit you can buy at a gas station (laughs) because your kids absolutely need it. I think this is a good idea. You just, yep. You just should do it. Easy to have twenty four watts. Children, does it get what? hot? Did you notice if it got hot? Twenty four watts is a lot for that little tiny device. Yeah, well, you know what? Hey, it's better than nothing. Not mine. All right, it's better than twenty five bucks for a crap. Oh, sure, sure. Just like, and those one dollar cables they sell on the counter at gas stations that last literally zero charges. Yeah, those are good too. Yeah, good too. yeah. Ken? So I know you're a big fan of this sort of ecosystem, but yeah. the Sonos Play One, there have been a lot of sales on it recently. This is the best one I've seen. 140 bucks for the for one of the Play One units, which is sort of their lowest end unit. Uh, Sonos being a networked audio solution that works fantastically well from what I've seen when, when you've used it. Is, your is this the one that they just recently hacked? Uh, it'll play nice things for you. Yeah, there's something about the the Sonos API being hacked, but it was like very little units affected. I, I, I don't know. I didn't look fully into that. So maybe. So that could be fun. Uh, but networked music throughout your house, being able to sync different zones. It works seamlessly. It's super easy to set up. Uh, you can control it by voice from a Amazon Echo now. This is not the Sonos One O-N-E, which has Alexa built in and will be getting Google Home in the future. That is still a $200 product. Uh, but for 140 their, bucks, it's, speakers, it's the best price I've ever seen on a Sonos. Their speakers are surprisingly good. Yeah. I have a Sonos. I have two Sonos Play Ones in the house, um, and they're, they're, they're really nice speakers. Right, like ones in the master bath, turn on uh, the Moana soundtrack for my daughter when she's taking a bath. And she doesn't complain about the sound quality at all. So that's a good sign, at least. But then again, she's also listened to the Moana soundtrack on the uh, Echo Dot. And oh it's fine God. with that. And that that's, sounds that's awful. awful. It sounds like dog poop. Uh, another cool thing about this stuff is if, you, like, so the Sonos One is, I mean, it's it's a mono setup. You don't, they don't shove too speakers in there because you wouldn't get any real stereo separation from it yeah anyways but you can link two of them together in their software to create a stereo pair so if you wanted like a bookshelf setup you could get two of these which admittedly would be a bit pricey but you could have both those set up yeah yeah uh all right alex you got one i do i do i do i do um i have been much to the annoyance of my wife uh, been rocking out to this band. It came up on Amazon for me about two weeks ago. Uh, they are big, giant circles. It's 8-bit chiptune. Um, and everything I've listened to by them has been pretty epic in the RPG Eight sense. 8-bit chiptune? Oh, yeah. I can understand why your wife is annoyed <laughs> with you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, But anyway, I, I've really been digging them. Uh, they have all their stuff up on Bandcamp. 
Um, check them out. It's like eight bucks for the album. Uh, the red one right below the scroll points, the one I've been rocking out to mostly recently. Um, it's also on Amazon Music, so you can check it out there. So, Very cool. There was a comment I saw in the chat that I wanted to, to mention, and now I can't find it anymore, and I don't remember what it was about. So cool story, Very cool story, bro. I guess. That's going to be it for us this week, guys. Thank you for joining us. PCPro.com slash podcast. You can go there and find download links, RSS files, uh, YouTube links, uh, links to all the stories that we've talked about or discussed. They'll all be included at PCPro.com slash podcast. And uh, well, thank you guys for joining us. We'll be back next week. We'll have another episode before we leave for CES. Um, Jeremy will probably be back. Uh, Alan might be back. Who we have knows? no idea where Alan is. Um, but, but we'll be here. And that's really all that I'm going to be here. About. Josh will Aww. be here. That's so nice, I'm not Josh. going anywhere. Josh Thanks. goes nowhere ever again. <laughs> Very true. Pretty uh, much. So, so with that, everyone, uh, just want to say thank you. And we'll be back next week. Thanks, guys. Good night. Bye. See ya. Merry Christmas and a happy new year. It's going to be 2018 when we come back again. 2018. Oh, yeah, you're right. It yeah. will be. I was born in 1972. Do you know how long when I was in high school and I did some calendar programs to see what happened in 2010 and made some little things? It seems so far away. And now we're in 2018. It's so far away. Life goes really fast, so you need to enjoy it. So anybody younger than 45, don't do what I did. I found the comment that I wanted to point out before. It's from Toilet Bug, who says, I need, he's talking about the book, <laughs> talking about the book, uh, says, I need this on Audible so I can play it in the house stereo when I want my friends to leave. <laughs> you, that you, would do it. You, scre- you screwed that up, Ryan. You need to leave it enough of a gap so Alex could use that entire rant as the closing of the podcast, but you talked over him. Did I? Yeah. It's fine. You did. It's fine. <laughs>